You know, we do, we do serve a God who speaks. We do serve a God whose voice, whose word is able to activate a people in the earth and make them something the earth has never seen. I want you to know that wherever you stand today, whether you're online or here in the room today, that there is a voice of God that can enter into you and make you something you could never possibly be in your own strength, in your own power. And when we are leaning into God, this is, in fact, the thing that we are looking for. We're looking for the kind of transformation that makes us into an exceeding great army. Now, I didn't know we were going to sing this song this morning, but we were in prayer in the other room, and I felt to read a passage from Ezekiel. And the passages in Ezekiel, one of them is this, and it says, it's about the army of God. It says, so I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. And there's another part of Ezekiel where he has his visitation of the cherubim. And it says that the cherubim and the wheels and the wheels within the wheels. But this is what it said. It said wherever the spirit went, the cherubim went and the wheels went. He said because the spirit was in the wheels. And the Lord began to show me is that there is a rising in the earth. An army of people in whom is the breath of God. In whom is the Spirit of God. And there's coming a wind of God. There's coming a breath that is going to be uh, an inflating power to make us into those things that we are meant to be. Wherever you are, whatever's trying to overcome you, whatever you're facing today, I want you to put your confidence in the breath of God. We prophesy today, Lord, that there is a wind that is greater than willpower. That there is a wind that is greater than emotional stimulation. Father, there is a power that is greater than intellectual intention. And it is the wind of the prophetic God who sits on the throne, who breathes his purpose into a generation. Lord, and we put our hope. We fix our eyes on you today. We say, Lord, send your wind. Send your fire. Send your wind. Send your fire. One of the things that's so clear in the room right now is the desire of the Father to have sons. That's gender neutral sons. But it's those who are co-heirs with his son, Jesus, those that rule and reign with him. And what we are seeing is a transition of a people who wait for God to do something and whose posture is complacent and passive in their waiting because they don't understand A, what he wants, or B, how he does it. But joint heirs are different. Joint heirs participate in ruling and reigning. Joint heirs understand the dynamics of the kingdom. That when breakthrough comes, they are not only recipients, they are participators in its administration. He wants sons. 
He wants those who will walk hand in hand with him, not just an audience to see what he's doing. But he said, let us make man in our own image. Let the wisdom and the mystery of the creation of God, when he made you, when he imagined what you would be, when he said to himself, let us make man in our own image and let him have dominion over creation. Realize the eternal battle is one of envy. The enmity of Satan has been poured out against you because God said these angels are great. These seraphim and the cherubim, they're great. The archangels are great. And every order of created angelic beings are great. But let's do something on top of that. Let's do something that will be one with us. Realize, church of God, that the envy that killed Jesus as the son is the envy that would kill you as the joint heir. Realize the battle waged against you is one of jealousy because you have been placed above Satan. And that's why these promises say that he will be crushed under your feet because through you, (laughs) Ephesians 3.10, through the church, the mighty majesty of God will be exhibited to principalities and powers. We're not here waiting for heaven. We're not here waiting for unknown things to suddenly magically appear for our response. We are engaged in the primal activity of activating and releasing them into the earth. Say in Jesus' name, let that well, let that aperture of the life of God that is inside of you, from which will come the kingdom of God, let it begin to burn, let it begin to move. Let it begin to stir like the waters, the waters of the pool of Bethesda. Let it begin to stir and let miracle power begin to come out of your own spirit. Streams in the desert aren't coming from nowhere. They're coming from a spirit that has become one spirit with eternal God mighty in the heavens so that the resources that are in heaven that are unyielding, in their intention to dominate the earth, those waters will begin to come and flow out of your being. We're going to stay in this place and keep moving ahead. And if you're wondering where the sermon is coming, it's already been coming in bits and pieces. But let's continue because there's something that God wants to activate inside of you something about dominion, something that cannot be brought under the control of principalities and powers. Let me share a part with you. When we were in prayer this morning, we were ascending into worship, and suddenly I became aware how few of us there were in the room, and suddenly this intimidation came into the room. And I I heard a sound of unbelief. I heard a sound of ridicule. I heard a sound of minimizing uh, assault against us. And it was kind of like what came against David. 
when he said that he would take on Goliath. It says, who do you think you are? And David, of course, rose up and said, I come to you in the name of the God, of the Most High God, and I'm going to feed your flesh to the birds of the air this day. But that spirit comes to us when we assemble in the name of the Lord. And because we assemble as individuals, because we assemble in small numbers, and there was like maybe a dozen to 15 of us in the room, and there's this sense of, who are you to say your kingdom come? Who are you to begin to think that your prayers are going to change anything? Who are you to think that with all of the thousands and millions and billions of people around the face of the earth, that your puny little prayer meeting is going to make any kind of difference. You guys are going through the motions, and you're moving your hands like there's something happening, but there's nothing happening. And you're walking around like you're treading on serpents and scorpions, but that voice says you're not. And I immediately saw it for what it was. And I saw that this is the same classic battle that attacks you every day, that attacks you and says that you are nothing and that you have no power and that you have no authority. But I want to declare to you that all over the earth today, people are waking up to their authority. People are waking up to the resurrection power of Almighty God that's inside of you. Come on, resurrection power, resurrection power is in your voice, is in your sound, and you can declare no weapon formed against me will prosper. But then I saw the illegitimacy of the accusation, and it was like the same way the enemy could come up and say to one company that's part of a division or a battalion or whatever it is in an army, in a company, I don't know how many in a company, maybe 50, maybe 100, I don't know. It's not in itself a significant group. But what if the enemy could say, look at you, there's just 50 of you, there's just 100. You can't take all of Europe. You can't take the beaches of Normandy. But what is their conviction? It's we are not alone. We are not alone. We are here isolated as a company, but there is another company. And next to them, there is another company. And next to them, there is another company. And the enemy and that spirit of accusation would say to you, intercessors, as you're gathering together, two, three, five, six, ten, 15, 20, and they're trying to say to you, you guys are just going through, you're just emotional. You're just, you're just, uh, you know, they're creative, prophetic people, but it's kind of meaningless what you do. It doesn't have any effect in the real world. And that's that voice of minimizing accusation. But I'm telling you, all around Canada right now, there are voices. There is faith. There are people gathering together. And when they're entering the realm of the Spirit, something is stirring inside of them. And they're saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. Come on, say that. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We're not alone. We're not alone. We're not alone. 
Because if the internet has taught us anything, it says that when one is streaming two and five and ten and a hundred and a thousand and ten thousand and a hundred thousand and a million people can join into that stream. And there is a divine spiritual internet of the kingdom of God growing and taking shape in the earth. Do you realize what's happening? You are not nobody. You are not one. Father, in Jesus' name, break through. Come on, release something. This is a prayer. This is a prophecy. This is a call. This is a call to the church of Jesus Christ across this land. Awaken! Let me add to this prophetic picture two layers. And the first is these dancers. And we often get this and people get on our live stream and they're what's the deal with the dancers? And there's some people are, oh, I like the dancers. But uh, to many, the dancers are just some kind of pointless pageantry. And there's some of us say, well, you know, I don't need the aesthetics of the colors and, the, and those things to, to connect with God. But I want you to know something. That they're significant to the dance in the same way there's significance to your worship, to your song, to your sound, to your declaration. Everything that we do is to manifest the invisible. Everything that we do is to cause the things which are not seen to be seen. The very essence of our prayer life is built on the Lord's Prayer. And it says, your kingdom come. What we're saying is, Lord, we want what is invisible to come into vision, to be seen. We long for what is hidden from the eyes to begin to take shape before them. And one of the things that we do is in worship, we actually mimic what the Spirit of God is doing. We mimic what the Spirit of God is doing. And in Ezekiel 37, that's what it said in Ezekiel's vision. He saw the cherubim and he saw the wheels within the wheels. And he said, wherever the beast went, wherever one of the four creatures went, it says the wheels went with them. The wheels were connected to the, the, the creature. And it said that when they went one of four directions, in whatever way they went, the creature and the wheels went together. And it said this, because the spirit of the creature was in the wheels. And the wheels were manifesting what was the desire or the heart of the creatures. When we worship and when we dance, we are manifesting what is invisible. When you look outside and you see the wind blowing, it says you can't tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who's born of the Spirit. But when you see the tree bending, when you see it ruffling, when you see it being pushed towards the ground, what do you know? You know there is a wind. You know that suddenly what was visible or invisible is being made visible. The response of the earth reflects the activity of the Spirit. We, the church are manifesting the activity of heaven on earth. 
You are the manifestation of your own prayer. We need to give up on the notion that this is just liturgy, that this is just pageantry, and it's for creative people and emotional people. We, you know, though that intellectual pride that says, well, I don't need that. It doesn't do anything for me. You are called not just to think God's thoughts. If you can think God's, God's thoughts, I say, bless you. But you are called to manifest on earth what is in heaven. And that might begin with you rocking back and forth. And you might think to this point, those people that pray and move their hand like this, as though the Spirit of God was in their hand and that their hand movement mattered, I want you to stop the mocking. I want you to stop ridiculing what you don't understand and what we're refusing to step into. Because the Lord is saying, I want you to begin to manifest on earth the spirit that is already inside of you. There are motions. There is activity. There is movement that your staid minds and bodies need to yield to. And yeah, there's a cost. And there are people who are going to sit behind you and snicker and mock. But this is the cost of entering because God has chosen the foolish things to confound the wise. We will embrace the foolish things. Ho! 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 Now listen, while we're on this vein, there's, there's sometimes, well, what does the enemy do? When the enemy wants to get rid of the wheat, he sows tares. He sows tares. When he doesn't want you to do something, He has somebody do the thing that God wants you to do in a foolish way, in an unbelieving way, in a mimicking way. He has people do it who are unstable. He has people do it who are not led by the Spirit of God. That's what he does. He creates tares. So are you going to stop being the wheat because there are tares? Are you going to decide, well, I'm not going to dance because some people dance and they're not really led by the Spirit. I'm not going to flag. I'm not going to move because there's some people who do it and they're just, you know, emotional. And I would hate to be confused with them. So are we going to let those who walk in unbelief, are we going to let tares take our place? Do you hear what I'm saying? We need a determination today that says, I am going to respond to the Spirit of God. I am going to be led by the Spirit. And if God wants me to shout, if there's a spirit of a shout, if there's a faith that says shout, if there's a scripture that says lift your hands, I'm going to lift my hands. If the Bible says clap, I'm going to clap. If the Bible says dance, I'm going to dance. 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 And if there's an army that moves with banners, well, I'm going to swing a banner. Oh, if I really have a sword in my heart, I'm going to move, swing that sword. I'm going to be fully engaged. No more intimidation. No more sheepishness. No more apologies. We're going to transition in just a minute. And I'm going to try and wrap this up and share a couple of things. But let me leave you with this, this biblical exhortation. 
Paul said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who lowered himself and made himself, what? Took on the form of a bondservant and came in the image of men. What did he do? He identified with our weakness. He made himself foolish. He embraced something lower than what he deserved. And he is saying, listen, if I can come down from heaven and be questioned and be mocked and be ridiculed, if I can lay my life down for your redemption and go to the cross and be spit on and abused and ridiculed, being who I am, Surely you can clap your hands. Surely you can dance. Surely you can shout. Surely you can press past your own borders of dignity to make yourself of no reputation. Surely you can do that. Now, it might not happen today or tonight, but we need to resolve. I'm not going to defend my walls anymore. I'm not going to defend my image anymore. I'm not going to defend, well, if I do this, you know, because I've never done this before. And people are going to say, oh, look at so-and-so. He's, he's doing that thing he's never done before. Yeah, you might garner a little more attention, but you deserve it for holding back for so long. But what are you going to do? Are you going to choose to be like Jesus or keep being like you? I'm talking to you. I'm talking to me. I'm talking to every single one of us. We've got to pull out the stops because there's a generation coming that are gearing up, and when they run, they're going to run fast. They're going to abandon these things that we have had years to abandon. They're going to drop them overnight, and we are going to be left in their wake unless we decide now what posture we're going to take. Amen. Part of the problem that that God is dealing with is children who don't believe. Ultimately, all of Israel's story is of a people who didn't believe. And the challenges and what the, the evil that brought on them because they didn't believe. He said, you know, don't have in your heart an evil heart of, or in you an evil heart of unbelief like these guys. So, so how many of you know we should try to escape that? We don't want an evil heart of unbelief. When you think, well, yeah, but I believe in God. That's not enough. It says that the demons believe and even tremble, right? But it's to no advantage for them. We're talking about not just the idea of a general belief, but a faith that actually produces something. And one of the first things that faith produces is it produces a synergy between the invisible and the visible. It causes you to do things in the visible that make no sense unless you know that there's an invisible effect. And so what happens is, is if we don't believe in the invisible effect, then we don't do the visible thing. And that's really the root of uh, pride and everything else that we're dealing with. But here's, here's the thing I want to alert you to, and I'm not going to go into de- details on this because I, I don't want you to, I, I, don't wanna ta- I don't like talking about this too much, but we need to realize that we have an enemy There is a force that's working against us. There are people who know the weapons of their warfare. 
They know what they use against you. And they target spiritual leaders, pastors, apostles, and prophets with witchcraft all the time. There are global leaders in the occult that get specific mandates from Satan to attack assignments against reformers, assignments against uh, spiritual leaders in nations. And there's a warfare going on, on a level, that you cannot even imagine. But when these people gather together in whatever they do, and they're willing to travel the nations to come and to release curses against leaders, and yet on the other side, we can't get Christians to believe that prayer matters enough to ever, you know, well, it's, it's kind of a sentimental, liturgical, ceremonial, pageantry thing. That's all it really is. We need to come out of that. We need to come out of that and realize that you have been given authority to shape the world. You've been given authority to shape the world. You have already in you the means to determine outcomes for this church, for this community, for me. I mean, God has trained me, and I know how to take certain levels of the assault. But you know what? We are a body, and I need your intercession and your prayer. It matters. It makes a difference. All right? And when things happen, when people get targeted with cancer, how do you know that there isn't some uh, uh, witch coven that isn't coming and visiting their house for, for months before that, 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 that cancer appears? Like, do we realize that there are advances and setbacks related to our existence that are deeply tied and connected intimately to whether we believe or don't believe and what we do with that faith or don't do with that faith? This is real. We're not coming here just to, well, you know, we can't reproduce uh, Goliath and David, but just like Sunday school, we got a little guy dressed up as David, we got a little guy dressed up as, you know, and it's nice. It just reminds us of the story. We're not reminding ourselves of a story. We are in the middle of a story. We are writing the story. Right now, we are writing the story of the conquest of Jesus Christ through his body to magnify his father so that he has a kingdom to present to his father. And he's looking for recruits who know what they're doing and who believe. This honor have all the saints. I'm not saying it that way because I'm mad, but there is. I'm not mad at anybody, but there is a divine determination and a zeal of God inside of me. And most importantly, this is the issue. And I keep saying it prophetically. There are people that aren't even saved right now. There are witches and warlocks and Satanists that aren't even saved right now, and they will be saved. And you won't have to convince them of these things when they get saved. And they're going to pick up their swords, and they're going to take on the elements of worship, and they're going to know what praying in tongues for hours accomplishes, and they're going to have interaction interaction in their homes with with angels and, 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 and manifestations of the kingdom of God. And it's been there all along for us. It's been there every day. It's always been there sitting idly on the table. 
Now, I'm not just talking to this church because you think, well, aren't we doing that? Yes, we are. But what if there's another level? And what if there are people out there and your whole concept of church is liturgy? Your whole concept of church is Latin terms. Your whole concept of church is nothing really happens now. We're just remembering. We are not remembering. We are engaging. So let me read this passage. I've shared this before, but this is where the rubber hits the road. All right? So Elisha had become sick. It's Second uh, Kings 13, verse 14. Elisha had become sick of the illness with which he would die. Then Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face and said, O oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen. And Elisha said, Take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. And then the king of Israel, uh, he said to the king of Israel, Put your hand on the bow. And he put his hand on it. Then Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. And he said, open the east window. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. The arrow of deliverance from Syria. For you must strike the Syrians at Aphek till you have destroyed them. Then he said, take the arrow. So he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck three times and stopped. And the man of God was angry at him and said, You should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will only strike at Syria three times. This is the most classic example of the interface between the natural and the spiritual and a man who didn't understand that this wasn't more than ceremony. Or wasn't, he thought it was only ceremony. It wasn't ceremony. This is not to just, this is not for dramatic emphasis. This is not, oh, that Elijah's got a real colorful, you know, dramatic side to him. He should have been in, you know, he should have been in theater. No, this is really happening. This is really happening. Whether Israel wins the battle, you know, when people win, right, they don't die. When they lose, them, they die. So hanging in the balance are the, are the fathers of children and the husbands of wives and the brothers of sisters. And it was all dependent upon what? Whether the king in that prophetic moment was sheepish about what he was doing and didn't want to get his knees soiled on his royal garments or whether he abandoned himself to a moment because he knew where the spirit goes, I must go. There is a generation coming who will have no questions about the validity of these things and they will not tentatively put their hands to the arrows. You think, well, I'll try it once. Don't try it. Because God's not going to put the fate of the world in your hand if you're just trying it. You got to practice like it counts. And you don't know what's practice. And you don't know when the moment comes where somebody's life is going to be hanging on your prayer. You don't know. And so you got to approach every moment with the seriousness that life and death deserves. 
You got to approach every time, every prayer moment, every worship moment, like, uh, Johan, I hope they sing some good songs today. Life and death is in the power of your tongue. This is what it means to be joint heirs, co-rulers, one with God. This is what it means to be the body when he is the head. The body carries out the desires of the head. And if the body stops doing it, the head says, I'm getting me a different body. And he has the power to do that. And he will do that if the generation that is presently the body chooses not to be the body. Because there's coming a time when there's no more messing around. We've crossed into a, a date line, into a threshold of purpose that, re- that requires that all stops will be pulled and God will pour out his spirit and on all flesh and people you never heard of who don't have your biblical knowledge, who don't have the experience of years in this church, who do not seem to match the criteria for whom God would use for great things because they might be a little bit rough, but they will do his bidding. So this is the call. Can you feel it? Come on. Spruce Grove Community Church, Church of Jesus Christ, watching online. Come on, come on, rise to your destiny. Rise to your calling. There's more in you than you ever knew. So, Father, we thank you, Lord, for these reminders. Lord, we Help us, Father, create an atmosphere that causes people to come into this room and know that we're not playing games and this is not pretend stuff. We're not dressing up like, uh, like characters, cartoon characters or superhero characters that we are engaging for life and death, for the advance of the kingdom of God and the dominion that will not end. Amen. So we're beyond our time. I'll stop there. Love you guys. Let this let it let this service let this service not be a high point. Let it become uh, our, our regular. All right. There are things of the kingdom that God wants to bring down to people, but He needs our engagement and He needs our faith. All right, Father, bless us as we go.